Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Real quick before we start the show, just wanted to let you guys know you can get the show two days early by joining our Patreon. Even for a buck, you can listen to the show two days early. Go to patreon.com slash analog talk and we got a bunch of stuff over there. Check it out and uh, yeah, enjoy the episode. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Analog Talk, a film photography podcast. I'm your host, Tim. I'm Chris. And today on the show, our guest is Dominic Lewis. Hey, Dominic. Hey, how's it going? Hi, Dom. Super excited to have you on yeah. the show today, especially um, you've got some exciting things going on and we, we're uh, happy to have you. So, but before we get into all that, do you mind giving our listeners a background in who you are and how you got started in photography? My name is Dominic Lewis. I'm 26 years old and I'm from Brooklyn, New York. Um, I started photography around the age of 18 um, when I decided to buy a camera for myself as a graduation gift. Ooh, good gift. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it started out somewhat as like, you know, um, this is like down during the era of like Tumblr and, you know, cool mm-hmm. images. And I bought it honestly because um, I did my senior pictures in, in high school and I disliked them so much. I was like, I can do this better myself. Let me let me try this <laughs> out. Um, and I, I never actually did my senior pictures again, but... <laughs> um, once I got the camera, I instantly fell in love with it. And this is, um, I started out um, shooting digitally with a Nikon D3200. Mm. Right after that, I went to college in Philadelphia and got more into the, the medium and started meeting some people who were like film shooters. And I'm like, why, mm-hmm. why do you guys shoot film? <laughs> and started learning about, um, what makes analog so great. And I started learning a lot more. I decided to drop out of college after two years to pursue photography full time. Oh, wow. Uh, honestly. Yeah. It was a, a crucial, um, step of my life because I was studying electrical engineering at that time. Oh, um, wow. very different. <laughs> yeah, very different. <laughs> um, and um, my plan was to go into the Navy afterwards. I was an NROTC midshipman. So I had a pretty big commitment that I kind of let go to do photography. 
<laughs> wow. Dude, that's awesome. That's intense. Yeah, it was very intense. I was 20 years old and I had like no idea what my real plan was. But I was like, you know what? I know what I want to do though. Once I dropped out, I moved uh, to South Florida where my uh, mother was living. And I worked at a portrait company uh, taking pictures of kind of like kids in preschool, um, <laughs> like ages four to six. Wow. Pretty much. <laughs> I couldn't even imagine. It was interesting. I, I, I loved yeah. the interactions. I feel like I, I learned a lot about how to pose people, how to interact with people, mm-hmm. you know, how to sell my photography because, you know, the, the big thing was selling prints um, of the work. So I loved that aspect of it. And um, shortly after that, I decided to open my own photography studio down there because I realized there were no community spaces for people to rent a space. A lot of it was private studios. Oh, wow. So I decided to go that route and um, pursued that and opened up Palm Beach Photo Studio at the age of 20. And <laughs> Dang. That's, that's crazy. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so did that for a couple of um, for a couple of months, honestly, eight months we did it and I decided to close it because of a dispute with my landlord. Um, basically, mm. we had a community event and he wasn't with it at all. <laughs> no, no. That's the fun stuff. Yeah. I was like, come on, and- let's have some fun, you know, here and there. But shortly after that, I kind of like took a time to kind of like step back and decide who I was as a photographer mm-hmm. and decided to start doing um, community art shows in South Florida, like pretty much galleries. And I would invite a lot of people who are new photographers or practicing photographers. And we would do every single month. We had an exhibition space called Locals Only. Oh, cool. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And I pretty much started doing this because I, I went to a lot of the spaces down in South Florida and asked them like, oh, how can we rent this space out to use, you know, for our own shows? And they kind of were more like, you know, we, we, we choose the artists here. We don't really... Um, mm-hmm. allow anyone just to kind of get into the space and like it's not fair then you know? yeah <laughs> so after doing that for a couple of months i decided i wanted to be in new york because it was a a space that i can you know meet more photographers and get more known with um i guess like in the industry um i just i moved here in 2018 and i decided to um work in a camera store so i was working in marketing um, for a camera store for um, two and a half years, honestly. Wow. And it was a great experience, honestly. Working for a camera store is like putting a kid mm-hmm. in a camera store. Yeah. Oh, a, yeah, candy, yeah. a candy shop, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> Same thing, yeah. It, it, was, it was unreal. I got, you know, chance to play with literally everything that came out. Um, you know, got to meet a lot of people within the industry um, through, uh, through all the different brands. Um, and then after two and a half years, I kind of decided that I don't want to work there anymore. I kind of got very burnt out. And this mm-hmm. was... About a year ago from September. Um, and then I kind of decided to focus more on my brand full time. Um, I started this website three or four years ago. I'm sorry, about four years ago. And kind of started out as a platform that people, and I just started posting a lot of the stuff that I was wearing and people just liked it. And see people supported, you know, I was getting things here and there and I started beating a lot more people and decided to kind of like make it a full brand, kind of evolving to what I am today and kind of where I'm going towards in the future. <laughs> Timothy and I were just talking before you got on that we have like a list of like stuff that we like want to yep. get, like apparel. <laughs> <laughs> so take us through that process, I guess. I guess you like see a logo that you like and then you... <laughs> somehow figure out a way to make it related to photography? Not even, honestly. <laughs> I don't think it's... I don't, my process is not even, like, super strict, honestly. A lot, I feel like a lot of my best ideas come to me when I'm just, like, you know, chilling at home, yeah, you know, yeah. relaxing, and I was like, oh, this would be cool. Or I see something I see a lot, and I'm like, oh, wow, that kind of looks like this. And uh, this is over, honestly, time, over months and years, over just thinking of these things, and it kind of just came to my mind here uh, slowly. Some things are literally plays on things because I noticed that, you know, it's easy to do that. Kind of like the recent, most recent one I did. <laughs> I kind of looked at yeah. the logo and was like, "Oh, this is perfect." Oh, yes, yeah, nice. <laughs> I, I, I uh, the, you're talking about the B and H photo one. Yeah, yeah, it's too Dude, good. Perfect, I, I need perfect. it. <laughs> yeah. 
So, yeah, some things are just kind of like plays on other things and, you know, part of like culture that, you know, I'm kind of involved in with my, um, I feel like my demographic that I'm trying to reach more than anything. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, it's going to, it's going to evolve more and, and become, you know, super different you, as you see as, as a brand grows. <laughs> Love it. So with that, does any kind of copyright stuff happen with that? Do you ever get any trouble for, for doing stuff like that? Not up until this point. Honestly, and if if I ever came to that point, it would be that I'm doing something really, really, really well. Mm-hmm. I look yeah, at, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's very funny because I look at a couple different artists as inspiration. Like I don't know if you heard of the fashion designer Dapper Dan. Yeah. Oh yeah. And mm-hmm. you know Dapper Dan was literally a cut up artist. He would just take Louis Vuitton. He would print it himself, honestly, on textiles. That's so print wild. Louis, yeah. Print Gucci, <laughs> and he would like make these these different pieces and you know sell them to different celebrities or different people in the underground in Harlem. Oh, interesting. And hmm. I love just the way he was able to do that. You know, he, of course, like he got raided a lot of times when people started to catch wind of it. And at some point, uh, I guess it was a person who was in charge of Dior, went down to his store and saw what he was doing. It was like, this guy belongs downtown. But, you know, they kept shutting him down regardless. Damn. Wow. <laughs> so I feel like hopefully I am a lot, some, somewhat up to a point where some of these brands would love to just reach out and like work together with mm-hmm. some of these things as a collaboration, um, honestly. Um, because I feel like it's cool. It's just a different part of the culture. It's unique. And it's, you know, something that they're not doing. I feel like it's a whole different demographic. No one's really touching like photography is there's millions of us around the world. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. And I love that it's like kind of a certain demographic will know what the BML like logo actually <laughs> came from, you know, like it's almost like, oh, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like the best part. So can you tell us congratulations on your your reading, your, reaching your goal? <laughs> yeah, amazing. On your GoFundMe. Thank you so much. Can you kind of bring us up to speed on how to, how that how that's going and stuff like that? It's um going really well. I'm trying to open my store on September 9th actually, which is the day I quit my job last year. So Oh, sweet. <laughs> I had to just make that goal. Mm-hmm. I had to store honestly I got the space. I actually it's it's funny cuz I can go back even from like March. So, I initially got a space in this building. I'm um, kind of just like to work out of to get, you know, fulfill orders and stuff from. And I was like, oh, this can be my store too. But it's like, it's such a tiny space. I was like, this is going to mm-hmm. be a store, but it's going to be like the tiniest store ever. <laughs> right. And I love that aspect of it. And then COVID hit like, right oh. around that time. And I was like, yeah. oh man, I can't open a store right now. It's impossible. Um, So I kind of held on to that space and just, you know, worked out of it, you know, used it for the last six months until I kind of things started you know, getting back normal here in New York City. Um, so I was looking for a bigger space and I was like, um, maybe it would be cool to have like a store still, but then like the shop inside of it. Mm-hmm. So found another space in the same building I'm in and I decided to just keep both the spaces because it's perfect because, um, everything I do with my brand is all handmade. Um, nothing yeah. is like, oh, I don't no go kidding. to any place and to make anything, um, for a lot of uh, all the clothing and, and, uh, hats and everything, embroidery, all that. I do it all in house. Oh, wow. So these are the things I've learned over time and, you know, took a lot of trial and error. I, I messed up a lot of shirts before. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I got to the point where I'm at today. I didn't know that. That's even more amazing yeah, that you're doing that all that is. stuff in house. Yeah, I recently had That's to hire great. someone to kind of do it all for me because it got to the point where it's like, it's getting a lot. <laughs> yeah, that, that means you're in a good spot when you can hire somebody. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's great. So I guess stay tuned for September 9th. You're going to do like a little grand opening or anything like that? Yeah, I'm planning a grand opening for that weekend, um, which is going to be September 12th on that Saturday. So I'm hoping to have a good turnout. That building is so cool. Like we have I have a couple different plans in mind. You'll see it when it comes to light that day if you guys are able to join but i think you guys yeah. are pretty far away <laughs> we are and it's like covid it's like rough to travel right now it's a bummer it's otherwise rough, that yeah. we would be there absolutely yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah it definitely puts a damper on some some ideas that i have um as far as like community events and projects mm-hmm. that i want to do but we'll see as, as things progress you know things are getting a little more back to normal here you know being the city that it was the worst in the beginning is kind of funny yeah. that we're kind of yeah. like the least now <laughs> 
that's uh it's good it makes keeps me thinking that someday we'll get out of this altogether that oh, everybody yeah, there's, really there's spots so. that are we're rough and they're doing better so that's exciting i'm i'm happy that you guys are doing better staying safe and all that stuff yeah definitely for the listeners that that don't know what we're talking about what what is your store what are you planning to to do what what's the concept behind it um so i'm opening an analog camera store here in brooklyn new york and it's going to be a really cool store because we're not only just going to sell cameras film darkroom supplies and equipment um we're also going to be selling the things that i make which is going to be clothing accessories Mm, love that. It's going to be a lot of cool stuff in there. And I also plan to ha- also have a gallery space within the store. And I want to feature different artists um, from around the world, honestly. I know some people aren't going to be able to print a lot of their work. So I'll do a lot of that stuff myself. Oh, cool. Because yeah, I have awesome. a printer. And, you know, here in New York, there's so many printers available. Um, so it's going to be a cool way to, for people to, like, get their work out there and see it. And this will kind of be like one of those spaces they can see like underground art that they'll never see anywhere oh. else because, you know, they're not going to be in galleries and different things like that. But it'll be, you know, artists, I want to definitely get photographers from all around the world that, you know, feature all their work inside the store. Man. It's amazing. Sounds like I need to move to Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Like every, I would kill for something like that where I am. I mean, there's I camera shops, but but I feel like yours is a very unique shop. Yeah, you know, yeah I think you're going to bring a, a lot to the to the table there. Uh, just having a having a community space, having uh, you know the gallery is going to be amazing, and just also all the cool stuff you're going to sell. Like, yeah, I realize um, traditional retail in, in this day and age in 2020 is pretty much it's a dying field. Mm-hmm. Um, you look at a lot of stores that are closing left and right. So I realized I had to make it more of an experience more than anything. And, you know, with that experience is going to be like the fact that the store is going to be, it, uh, I don't even spill all the, all the information. Basically, it's going to be changeable. And as you see, as the months go by, some months I might change the entire layout of the store and to make it a totally different look to it. Ooh. And then also do different events within the store. And the fact that everything is handmade, I can do customizable items at, at some of these events or Damn, you know, come so in and awesome. customize something today. Would it be a really cool thing? I come on and make a t-shirt today, you know, come learn. <laughs> yeah, that's rad. Man, it just, it, it really does bum me out about the whole COVID situation. Cause I remember at the beginning of the or probably the end of last year, I was thinking in my mind, like I used to put on shows and concerts and stuff back in the day, a lot of, you know, underground punk rock shows and stuff. And I was trying to bring something like that to this area because because where I'm at in Franklin, I mean, it's not it's not really heavy in the arts. You know, there's definitely photographers and painters and stuff like that. But it would be really cool to there's a couple like abandoned, not abandoned stores, but just places that don't have any businesses in them right now. And just to, you know, go talk to one of the landlords and be like, hey, can we do like a small little five artist, get some uh, music, like a band and, you know, do wine and cocktails or something for just like one night a month. And, you know, I've been wanting to do something like that for so long. And and then here we go with this, yeah. <laughs> this COVID crap again. But yeah. Uh, it's just rad. Like what you're doing just sounds right up my alley. Like I, w- I would literally be there like every day if I lived in. in- <laughs> yeah, I, you know, and it's, it's interesting because I'm, I, re- I really I'm doing a lot of these things because as me as an artist, I wish I had a lot of these things grown, yes. you know, as I grew yeah. as an artist. Like, um, so I noticed that a lot of camera stores aren't owned by photographers per se. I mean, there, there are, are ones out there, but sometimes when you think of some of the major camera brands out there, especially in New mm-hmm. York City, it's more of a business. It's more just like how many yeah. sales can we, how many cameras can we sell a right. year or, or, you know, things like that where, um, I feel like, you know, I think the big thing for the next, um, at least decade is going to be conscious shopping where people are very conscious of like where they buy their things and, you know, where mm-hmm. their money is going to. 
you know, if it's going to a good cause and yeah, definitely, even if I got to spend a little more money or travel a little further, um, I'll do that because it's going to, going to go towards a small business or it's going to be, um, something that's impactful towards my community versus just like, you know, going to the pockets of millionaires. That's very Love true. It. Yeah. It's very true. Are you going to keep an online presence still? You still going to keep some stuff online for sale? Oh, hundred percent. I plan to have yeah. everything that I sell in the store online as well. Um, okay, I, cool. I definitely want to focus a lot online because, you know, just as COVID, you know, things can happen mm-hmm. yeah. any moment. Um, so I'm glad I had this, you know, the, on the website up and running through COVID and actually helped me stay alive during all that, you know, I had oh, nothing mm-hmm. to do, but my website, you know. <laughs> your other little project is your document Brooklyn, right? Yes. So can you, uh, can you, t- can you talk about that for, for a minute? Yeah, definitely. Um, I feel like this project kind of just formed and kind of like took shape into to a name in the last less than a year once I started um, focusing on it full time. One of the things is um, I, I was born here in, in East Flatbush, Brooklyn, and I moved from here when I was about two or three years old. So I, I was raised in South Florida. Um, but every single summer, I would come up here and visit and I would um, take trips. I'd hang out with my cousins, you know, um, roam mm-hmm. the streets, do, you know, all the <laughs> hood rat things. <laughs> but uh, it was it was interesting. So growing up here, we you know, I definitely spent a lot of time here in the summer and stuff. And as I started getting older and seeing it starting to change, especially as I moved back here, seeing a lot of like the spots that were like empty lots are now like high rises or, mm-hmm. you know, the same street corners are like, you know, totally changed. Now there's coffee shops there and stuff there now. Um, one of the things I feel like is very important for me, I feel like um, this project is so long term because what I'm, what I'm doing is documenting this neighborhood, East Flatbush, and also neighborhoods of, of Brooklyn to preserve its its heritage because once it's gone, it's gone. And yeah. I see that with a lot of the neighborhoods here already. Um, some of these neighborhoods, like even even five years ago, look totally different. Like That's some crazy. parts of Williamsburg, I, I don't even recognize them. I'm like, what is this now? Wow. So I, I see I see it's going to come. It's going to happen regardless. It's, uh, you know. These neighborhoods are changing because of the way kind of the politics of things. So I feel like my only role I can do here is to document it all um, before it changes or while it changes and kind of like use that as historical purposes for in the future. I love that. It's kind of like what Timothy does for, for his little part of the world in yeah, Franklin. I, I just try to, if a new building goes up or a new building goes down or there's something, it's funny because when people that follow me from this area, they'll be like, oh, wow, I just saw that, that, that sign blew over. And next thing you know, I see it on your Instagram, like a day later that you <laughs> caught something that was only there for like a second. And I remember that. And it's, it's fun. I, I love kind of having that as like a, like a background long-term project thing yeah. too. Because that's what these these towns need that stuff, you know, because mm-hmm. I love when I find a like an old photo book of the like Lebanon, the town I grew up in back home in Pennsylvania. Like I found an, an old book of what the town used to look like. I mean, it was dirt roads and all that stuff. Yeah. And we, we would have never known what that looked like if somebody right. didn't have if their camera. Didn't photograph those. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or like especially with the history of Hollywood, like in, here in L.A., like what it looked like, you know, ho- when it was Hollywood land back in the 30s and 40s. That's my mm-hmm. favorite stuff to look at. Mm-hmm. As well. Yeah, definitely people think people are going to look back in 30, 40, 50 years and think like, well, what are people looking living like in 2020? Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's not um, done so much um, with us with smartphones and everything. You know, right. um, people definitely don't just take pictures of, you know, streets or things on the streets or, you know, things like that. They kind of just like it's more selfies and family, yeah. oh, yeah. you know, their food or <laughs> things like that. Yeah. Um, so it's definitely I feel like it's an important thing to we to still have historians, uh, people who are just there to just document. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Super important. So what are you what are you shooting this series on? Um, I, my main camera that I use for it, because um, I do a lot of people with it, um, with this project, and I use a Mamiya C330. 
which I love mm. because of the I, I love it because of the interaction you get with people with it. You yeah. know, they see it immediately. They're like, "Oh, that's cool." Uh, yeah, it's like, yeah, 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 you can take my picture. <laughs> I think that needs to be like a uh, like a hack for street photography. Just take the the weirdest looking camera you have, <laughs> <laughs> for and sure. then be like, "Oh, cool! I can take your picture. I'll do a portrait really quick." Since you asked, <laughs> mm-hmm. and that and the square format is my favorite. Square format mm-hmm. is just so well to work with. Um, I feel like it's the best format of all time. <laughs> yeah, I've had my eye on one of those for a while. They're they're going up again. You know, of course, yeah. like Matt Day and everybody's talking about them on their channel, <laughs> so they're gonna. <laughs> yeah, some some cameras there you really just that. have to grab now because they're going up in value. And I honestly just picked up um this camera here, the Fujifilm GA six four five Zi. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which is a autofocus point and shoot medium format camera, which is so interesting to play with. And, oh, wow. Um, it's really fun because it's like, you know, you have everything right there as a flash built in flash and everything. Um, so I don't have to like think so much. I can set it to program and just fire away. And because the viewfinder is vertical, it's honestly perfect for like a lot of the landscape. When I'm taking pictures of, like empty lots and stuff, mm-hmm. it, it fits perfectly within the frame. So I've been using that a bit when I'm like skateboarding around or biking around because I don't have to like, worry about focusing or anything man i've had my eye on one of those for a while too they they went <laughs> yeah, crazy what did they run about i think they're going like seven seven yeah. to a thousand yeah, yeah seven to a wow. thousand they yeah. used to be you couldn't even like they were giving them away like five years ago they were like <laughs> they were two to three hundred bucks yep. yeah i missed out i'm like not gonna get this now same because i know it's gonna keep going up mm-hmm. and it's, it's so interesting be, um, to see that like getting into this space of opening a, a camera store and uh, i worked in a digital camera so they sold mostly digital stuff but mm-hmm. i know the real values in film because film is like everything you see now is like going up in value whereas like as soon mm-hmm. as you buy a digital camera it starts appreciating the day that's you buy so it. wild yeah so you know this is like antique cars and you know <laughs> Yeah, you have to definitely um, collect while it's while it's you know hot right now because mm-hmm. it's going to go up in value. And even just certain things is like sitting on film that can be like your emergency savings fund. Like I have like packs right. of like FP one hundred in my fridge, like just same, in case. Same, yeah, yeah. yeah just in case. <laughs> yeah. We, I was just talking about this at work. We were talking about like film prices, and some, you know, they were like, "Chris, what do you? How do you feel about the film prices going up?" I was like, "Film prices to me is like gas. I, I'm always gonna have to buy it. <laughs> like if it's expensive, it's expensive. What bums me out worse is like the fact that cameras are getting crazy expensive. Yeah, oh, yeah. you know." They really are. But yeah, I, I'll pay whatever portrait costs at the moment because I just <laughs> got to shoot it regardless. You know, I need gas in my car. I need portrait in my heart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it did really go up though, like in the last three years. six months or... Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, even in this past year when they added that, oh, yeah. what, Kodak went up like 30% or something crazy like that. Yeah. It's and crazy. again, I get it, but <laughs> damn, is it hard to buy bricks yeah. of film these days? I mean... It oh, is. It's, it's hard like, to just stock up on it. You have to like mm-hmm. be very frugal. And I haven't had to stock up in forever because I just had, I, I'm one of those hoarders that just hoards yeah. tons of film all the time. And I've started getting into shooting color film again. And I'm like looking in my piles of stuff and it's just like mounds of black and white film. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, wow, I really don't have much color. I should probably buy some. <laughs> I like look up Lomography 800 and I'm like, or not Lomography 800, uh, <laughs> Portra 800. And I'm like, wow, like it is really that expensive for yeah. one roll. It's like, like $10, dang, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, it's insane. Yeah. Yeah, what hurts so me the though. most is seeing um, slide film go out, and I'm looking at yeah. prices of Velvia, and I'm like, all oh, the rolls that I just shot through and for nothing, yeah, and now right. they're like $23 a roll, and I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, I've been looking into that, too. I don't, I don't shoot much slide, so. Oh, man. Slide's my favorite. It's like, if I can only shoot anything, it would be like Provia and Velvia. Really? But, oh, wow. Cool. My favorite films of all time, uh, 
mostly Velvia, just because of its color accuracy. It's just like very, honestly, even more so even on certain skin tones um, because of like its saturation and glow with mm-hmm. it. Um, I love how it produces on darker skin tones um, very well. It just makes everything like pop and glow. <laughs> the only thing about slide film that I always shoot at 800 or 1600 and slide films always down in like the i mean it goes from like 80 to 400 i think i don't even know yeah. if you can get 400 is or not ISO. anymore <laughs> yeah i didn't yeah. think so it's inspired stuff when we had dan dan rubin on he was talking about pushing slide films so oh yeah I have about three or four rolls of the latest Ektachrome that came out. So I'm going to try mm-hmm. doing that. I'm going to try pushing it and see what happens. Yeah, try to like 400. I think that would be a good push. It's just yeah, going to yeah. increase the developing time probably a lot. <laughs> and honestly, yeah. the, the process itself is, is long in itself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's it's worth it, you know. It's, it's, It'll be cool it's to see. Because I've been, I always push. Like I'm one of those yeah. people that just pushes all the time. Like even, uh, I've been shooting a lot of Lomography's Metropolis film. Like I'm completely stuck on it right now. I think it's my favorite. And I told you. I, sh- <laughs> <laughs> I shoot it at 400 and then develop it two stops past that. I was developing it developing it for 800 now i'm developing it for 1600 and it just makes everything glow but like you said yeah it's like 15 minutes per per roll of just in the developer you know it takes a while to but it's fun the developing's like one of my favorite parts of doing the whole (laughs) doing the whole thing so dom do you do do you do any developing yeah, I do. Um, I started developing a couple years ago. Um, after when I moved to South Florida, then the prices were up. The guy was like, "Oh, good luck finding somewhere to process." <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I was like, "These prices are ridiculous." He's like, "Oh, good luck." Yeah. So I was like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna figure it out myself." And I bought like the C41 kits. I bought like black mm-hmm. and white. And I've been doing so. I've been doing it for going on like seven years now, processing my own film. Oh wow! It just saves me time and. Um, I like to control my, my the whole process myself, honestly. Same. It's amazing yeah. how much money you save. Like, Chris, I really, really? wish you'd... I know. Yeah, like, you, like, you guys are making me making me want to change right. my whole workflow. <laughs> yeah, and I'm definitely going to encourage people a lot when, when I have to start to process their own film. Like, I'm going to make actual videos and teaching um, yeah. how to do that. Love you it. know, even so much as like, because I know one thing that's really confusing um, about processing your own film is just knowing what to buy. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I definitely want to do is like create smart bundles where people can figure out what they want to buy just based on everything in the bundles like oh what do i want to develop c41 kit comes with everything you need in the kit dude genius love that that's just great putting it all together and then making videos on it so the resources are there like hey this is how you develop your own film it's it's great because my buddy has a dark room in that same building i'm in um so oh wow it's you know it's, it's so perfect him he rents it out but also like i'm gonna definitely make it to do use it for videos and also tutorials and stuff so Man. people like me won't have an excuse anymore <laughs> right you're gonna see how easy it is and it's gonna be like wow this is all it takes yeah. C forty one is fifteen minutes, literally the entire process. Yeah, it's so I I love when I have to develop color, <laughs> but the only thing is sometimes it's tough getting the chemicals. I mean, at least the last couple, I I guess since everybody's stuck at home, everybody's yeah. been sold out of chemicals a That's lot. Exactly lately, what but, it was. Yeah, but I stocked up. I bought. I did too. I I, <laughs> I have three three boxes of each: three of C forty one and three oh, of E wow. six. So yeah, I went, I, and, I went ahead and bought like the gallon kits and just split them up into different bottles. Oh, so smart! I, like, I always is... want to do that. Yeah. So can I ask you a, a question about mm-hmm. no. color developing guys? You're not allowed. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> 
Do you, does so different say goodbye to your credit card rewards? Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Stocks require different versions of chemicals or t- processing time or... No, it's all the same. Wow. C41 is so standard. It, it, it was a drugstore thing. So they were just like, how can you make right. this so easy for everyone, for all brands? So it's very standard. The hardest thing is black and white when that's all different times and stuff. Yeah. Right. Um, there's so many different developers and all that yeah, stuff. But C41, to. I mean, you can mix and match your roles when you yep. develop them. Doesn't I mean, as matter. long as they're not like pushed or pulled or anything like right. that, it's, that's why it's so quick. I mean, it's, it's literally three and a half minutes in the developer, six minutes in the fixed Blicks or whatever it is, mm-hmm. rinse and five minute and then, wash. Yeah, and then that's so quick. Exactly, you're done. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, really, the only thing is keeping your temps at 102, and I mean that's super easy too. Just I've been using the- one of these um, thermometers, a sous. I forgot how do you, how do you pronounce it. It's the sous vide. Uh, I think sous vide. Yeah. yeah, my friend just told me about it like the other day. I bought one on Amazon really quickly, and it definitely helps a ton yeah when you're when you're processing for for um c41 because the temperatures don't have to stay at 102 and before i was like boiling water and like running back down i use my yeah, basement yeah. Yep. Like, running back downstairs with boiling water trying to put it back in there quickly <laughs> like okay <laughs> which yeah. is so dangerous so um that helps a lot when you just keep it in the tank and you can just like keep the temperature consistent the entire time mm-hmm. for hours if you need to yeah, wow. and then you can do like multiple rolls too. If you have like extra tanks or reels, you can just yeah, like that's exactly keep what I going. Do. Yeah, I load up like three tanks at one time and then mm-hmm. bang three out of, you know, so it takes me like within 45 minutes, I can do three, five reel tanks. Yep. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's that. And I mean, you have most of the stuff. Like you have a tank and, mm-hmm. you know, you just need bottles. I mean, talk to your Cinestill buddies and be like, yeah. hey, <laughs> throw me one of those sous vides that you got. Yeah. They have a really cool one there. The yeah. Cinestill one's yeah. fancy. It is very, I, I've been wanting one. But they're they're still a little out of my price range for yeah, COVID prices for a right now. Too, I've seen yeah. because of the you know people in COVID, everyone's developing their mm-hmm. own film. <laughs> it's it's, uh, it's kind of inspiring. It makes me um, excited to know even even like labs themselves. Like people are these labs are like overflowed with yeah. ha- you know having a process, and it just makes me happy that the even in something like a crisis, the film community is still like I'm going to take pictures. <laughs> oh yeah, it's, I, I feel like it's this is one thing that's never going to stop. I feel like film is definitely on the rise, and yeah. I'm hoping to see where it evolves because it, you can just tell by looking at the amount of technology it's coming out. If you look at digital cameras, they're like, oh, more megapixels, more this, more that. And you're like, oh, okay, I didn't really care. 
But then yeah. you look at some of the people out there who are making cool analog products that are like brand new, but they're like making like new light meters for the cameras mm-hmm. and fit on the cameras or yep. reworking the SX70 so that way you can have like full manual controls and things. I'm like, yep. what? This is yeah, like, yeah. you guys are going above and beyond what's like really what this is supposed to be and just thinking so forward thinking with analog. And that's why I love it because there's always going to be new analog things that people are going to make or, but I don't know why, but with digital, just like they kind of reach their... I feel like, I feel like they it. have too. Yeah. I feel like the only thing they can do to make it better is um, if any people who are from camera companies li- are listening, you guys should like add a way to scan negatives with your DSLR or mirrorless camera because that's what we need. You know, yeah. scanners are kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm at a point where scanners are kind of slow, like the Epson scanners. Yeah. And I just want a faster workflow. Yeah. There you go, Chris. Plug yeah, Negative I just, Supply. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I work for a company called Negative Supply and oh, yeah. we'll, uh, we'll talk. We'll talk. <laughs> I might know some people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm excited. The only thing that scares me is uh recently that that little and I think it was like NBC released that thing with Matt Day and Willem Burbeek and Nick Carver about film photography is on the rise again and th- there was that one teacher in that episode that was like, you know, the chemicals aren't the best for the environment and I don't know how long they're going to last. So, I'm really going to try to look into making my own developers and stuff. I mean, yeah. I'll be fine if I, I can't develop. Well. Yeah, wow. like what the hell happens? Say, say the end of the world happens. How I, I need to be able to develop my film. Yeah. So <laughs> well, it's funny, There's a guy on YouTube that does that. He like finds all the chemicals separately. It's oh, like low sweet. budget film, film score or something. And he just like takes every, he's in the UK, he, like takes every little thing individually. Like, oh, I want to mix a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And it's like oh. very, <laughs> it's very funny. Just don't blow yourself up by mistake. Yeah, don't. Yeah. Like, a lot of this stuff is so hard to get to um, because it's, you know. Yeah. You know, it's not something that you can just buy, like anyone can just buy in the store. Yeah, you're definitely going to be on a government watch list when you're <laughs> buying these chemicals. Yeah, yeah, I definitely thought of that. Like the, um, for one thing, uh, it's, it's tough for me too, being like someone who eats, um, I'm definitely very conscious of what I eat. Like I eat, mm-hmm. I'm all vegan, but you know, film isn't at all. And yeah. you know, there's still yeah. like, you know, there's still a little bit of gelatin in it. And it's, you know, I'm waiting for someone to come around, maybe I'll have to do it and make like a vegan film that's like 100% there you vegan. Go. There you go. Know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Made from like, it has to be like made from like cellulose instead of the gelatin or something, mm. you know, something. But I've, I've heard it would be like a really slow ISO. So it means we're going to be shooting like 0.5 ISO, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I really, I mean, I, since there's such a resurgence in this, I just really hope people rally in the next couple of years. And I could see, Leica coming out with like a new 35 millimeter camera or, you know, we just need some, I, I wish I knew, we need to talk to Japan, like Bellamy again, Bellamy yeah. Hunt, and see what's going on with his camera. And there needs to be new scanning technology and just like, we got it. We're all here. We're ready. We're rallying right, right now. Yeah. Like now's the time to do it. Cause I would definitely be throwing money at things <laughs> that come out. Yeah. And Be- Bellamy was talking about a, a new point and shoot, which is like right up my yeah. alley. Mm-hmm. So that's really cool. Uh, I mean, that was how long ago, though? That was like three years ago we had him on the show, and we haven't really heard much since then. I've been searching around, looking at different things. I've I've always had so many crazy ideas that I've never had a chance to do, and now that I finally have, like, a store, I'm able to, like, finally make a lot of these things come to life. So hopefully I can get a lot of these things that I'm planning to do out in the next, like, year or two. We'll see. Really, That's so um, exciting. Really exciting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even just like the last like month or two, I've had like a bunch of ideas I wanted, like started making them, getting them in the process of making. Dude, I'm just, I'm so amped on, 
on the success for your GoFundMe yeah. and, and all that. I mean, what a rally. Like, that was just so cool to see. I just remember seeing it being circulated on, like, Instagram stories. <laughs> and I was like, oh, man, let me check this out. And I went to it. And by the time I was already checking it out, you were, like, over halfway Funded, to your yeah. goal. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, the next day I look at it again. I'm like, oh, my God, he did it. Like, hell yeah. 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 Like, this this is so Within awesome. two days we reached our goal. Yeah, um, exactly. That's that's something to say about the film photography community. Yeah, I had a lot of people reach out to me and, you know, just people who are in the industry or people who have been doing it for years and they definitely mm -hmm. um, felt the need for it. You know, just even just seeing how it works behind the scenes and working in camera stores or working in the industry and being on sets and stuff. Um, there definitely needs to be, I feel like, definitely more diversity in, in a lot of these mm -hmm. in these. Um, in these realms because a lot of these people that I see, like even some of my friends that I know, they have a lot of talent and they, they're really passionate about this art form. And I, I would love to see companies give them a chance to like, you know, be tech reps or, you know, yeah. to try their products out. And I've, I've just being working in a camera store and seeing how like easy it is to give away cameras to influencers, quote unquote. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. You could have gave it to someone who's like actually good. <laughs> That's how I look. <laughs> like someone who's like really practicing photography, not just someone who's going to like, you post something on Instagram for the camera. Right. Um, that's how I look at it. I really will hope to see more companies like, you know, reuse real people because even those micro influencers, people who have a couple hundred thousand or a couple thousand followers are going to be more powerful than these big influencers. Just like you can tell they're pushing a product. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. That's what I saw saw the other day on YouTube that uh, Valandez, uh, he does, he runs like a YouTube channel. He's a, he's a mm -hmm. black photographer. He's mm -hmm. amazing. And yeah, he's really and cool. He, I love his stuff. <laughs> yeah, dude, he's, 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 he's killer. <laughs> and just the fact that like Fuji reached out to him and sent him one of the, I forget, it was like the XT8 or whatever the hell they're at right now <laughs> with those and yeah. sent him that. And it's just, it's crazy because during this whole Black Lives Matter movement and all that stuff, just how everybody went quiet. It was so crazy at that time, like all the big brands, you know, like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know, it just wasn't the time. I definitely, yeah. And that's why I, I feel like it, I kind of forced myself more into to doing this more and more, um, creating this stuff like I needed to do it. Um, so I had this idea, I feel like that for years, if you, if you know anyone that knows me, I've always talked about like, oh, when I have my storm, it's going to be like this. And it was yeah, like, yeah, 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 whatever. And I'm like, so I'm, like, I'm going to have <laughs> a storm one day, you're going to see. <laughs> and uh, I feel like one of the biggest things, what, what, like, after the first day or two of the protests here in New York City, I had some great images and I was like, oh, where, I wonder if like any of these brands are posting about it. I wonder if they were like, want to feature any stuff. And I went and like checked. Um, at that point, I was shooting um, the first day I shot like digitally. I shot with Nikon and yeah. I looked at Nikon's page. I was like, nothing. Okay. Uh, Canon, nothing. Fuji, nothing. Went through all of them, all every one by one. And I was like, what's going on? Yeah. Why is no one saying anything? And then looking at some of the stores too. And to me, I feel like because these companies are directly benefiting from it when people are buying more gear to document these protests, right. I'm seeing so many reporters out there, you know, so many journalists out there, mm -hmm. so many people out there that are using all this gear. And the fact that you just like stay quiet on it, I feel like is very telling of it. Very true. It's sad that it that it was like that during the time. I mean, not that it's over by any means, but I feel no, like no. some people are finally stepping up. And No, definitely. Yeah. I, I've definitely talked to a few people within some of these companies now that things have like kind of, I guess panned out a bit more um mm -hmm. so many people yeah. do like i've talked to people within fujifilm um the director of uh, marketing there and he's a really good guy so you know he's he's definitely pushing towards initiatives in the next um year to do a lot more things with the community since there are you know a lot of these companies awesome. are, are based in new york um mm -hmm. yeah. even when you see it a lot of the headquarters for some of these so hopefully in, in the future we'll you know we'll see some more community activation with that and i'd love to work with a lot of these brands too I, you know, help do different things um, with the community as well, because I definitely need help with it as far as when it comes to resources or people knowing the sure. right people to, you know, do mm -hmm. it as well. And I'm just one guy 
that has a camera store. But I feel like with me and help with some of these brands, we can definitely make a lot of things happen. Dude, hell yeah. Absolutely. Man. Yeah. So do you do you think you'll you'll sell any digital gear in your store or is it going to be strictly film related? Um, I'm going to be strictly film. Um, I'm not, yeah. not going to say I'm not going to do it maybe, who knows, years from now. Yeah. Things pan out that way. But um, for now, since I know so much about analog and seeing the market for analog, you know, being so open and so large, you know, there can be multiple camera stores open and they're all going to make money from it because it's, everyone's looking for new cameras. Yeah. <laughs> Film yes. cameras. Because the margin just, you know, they're so cheap compared to like digital cameras, you know, lens may be 900 to $2,000, whereas I can buy a whole film camera for $200. It's still pretty bad. <laughs> Not bad. Yeah. yeah. When you still think about it, you know, we're talking about like $1,000 being a lot of money for certain cameras, but you're looking at digital stuff and it's like, yeah, $1,000 yeah, yeah. ain't getting you nothing. Nope. <laughs> That's like one lens. <laughs> Right. If that, damn, a lens, like, uh Yeah, if you want, like, a good wow. lens, no, 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 nowhere near that. You're right. Yeah. An entry-level camera may be around $800, $900. Mm-hmm. For- yeah, you go to Target and you can get your <laughs> Canon T, whatever, yeah. <laughs> whatever 12 by, whatever T they're on, right? Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Well, dude, I'm just, like, I'm so yeah. amped on your success. Of, Same. Uh, and, and, like, you're the person to do it, man. Just sitting here Thanks. talking to you. <laughs> it's, like, I'm, I'm really happy for you and proud, bro. Thank you so much. I really appreciate yeah, this, like yeah. the support from all the community. Because honestly, just seeing how 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 quickly people rebelled behind it really just showed me that it's way bigger than just me. It's it's mm-hmm. it's people. It's something that people can um, take pride in and take joy in. And I love that it also inspired other people to try to do similar things or, or reach similar goals in other cities. And I, I, I really love that. I'm like, yeah. thank you, please. Yeah. I'm glad I had to like yeah, yeah, speak yeah. it from the mountain so people can see it and be like, I want to do the same thing. I was like, yeah, it's great. I love to, I feel like my goal on this planet is to inspire as many people as I can. I feel like I aspire to inspire. I love that. Dude, it's a hell of a goal, man. That's awesome. What school did you go to when you were in Philly? I'm from PA. Uh, I went to Drexel University. Drexel, gotcha. Yeah, I had a couple friends that went to Drexel. Really interesting school. Just wondering, just curious. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back with a listener question for Dom right after this message from our sponsor. Support for Analog Talk comes from Polaroid. Use the promo code Analog Talk Ten on your first purchase on film at Polaroid.com. All right, guys, this is part of the show where we take a question from one of our listeners, and we're actually going to hit Dom with two questions today. The first question comes from Robert Lanes, and he asks, what do you attribute your entrepreneurial mindset to? Well, that's a, that's a good question. Steve. Um, <laughs> so I feel like my first entrepreneurial, I mean, I'm going to try to like kind of a story because I feel like it's a good story to tell. Yeah. I feel like yeah. my first real job, which is like my first entrepreneurial aspect, was I sold candy in high school. And this was me being a junior and I did it when I was a senior as well. And it got to the point where I started hiring like freshmen to sell candy for me. What? Yeah. <laughs> such a good hustle. I love it that. It was such a good hustle because I was like, yeah. okay, you guys are going to be in these classes. You're going to be in these classes. And I kind of used like my um, ROTC uh, program to kind of disguise it and be like, oh, we're selling for ROTC. <laughs> you, guys nice. don't, you guys don't ever question, even though I was supposed to be selling candy. And it got really good. I had like two, three of my friends were also doing it with me. We're all seniors and we're like, you know, making a lot of money, like selling candy. I couldn't believe it. I honestly looking back now <laughs> and I, I, you know, I was able to like, honestly, we started it. Reason why I started doing it is because I wanted to pay my dues for my senior dues and everything. And mm. I come from a background. My mom um, was a single mother. She raised uh, six kids on her own. 
And as soon as I was able wow. to make, start making money from my own, I never you know, felt like I needed to ask my mom for money. So I kind of paid for everything my senior year. I paid for my yearbook. I paid for my dues. I paid for all my stuff, um, up to that point. So I just always felt like with entrepreneurship, it's for me, it's, it's kind of like survival in a sense. Mm. Um, I'd much rather would work a million hours, I guess a hundred hours a week for myself than to work 40 hours for a job. Um, Absolutely. because. It just gives me the freedom to do whatever I want or have these ideas and think, you know, kind of set my schedule to wait however, however I wanted to do it. I definitely would say, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's such a good answer. Yeah, it's a good philosophy to be your own boss. Yeah. I yeah. wish I had that mindset at a young age. I just, you know, <laughs> I floated through life at that time. I wasn't thinking much <laughs> yeah. at all. I feel, I feel like another part of it, too, is kind of like the... Um, I said this in an interview like years ago about like the starving artist. And mm -hmm. one thing that I love, um, I kind of, I felt very much when I dropped out of college was like, as a starving artist, you know, I'm always, you know, I, I look at it as like someone who's starving or hungry is always trying to create because they're always looking to way to survive. So they're always be right. creating because that's their way to survive. Mm -hmm. And that's the yeah. only way they can survive is they can use their art through it rather than having to like work a real job. I feel like, you know, people saying like, oh, the starving artist, I feel like it's a good thing to stay hungry mm -hmm. and always be starving yeah. and always want more from your For art. For sure. Yeah, it's true because you can get you can get like, a you know, my photography is the same enough to where I've had like a part time job for a really mm -hmm. long time. But, you know, that safety net of like, all right, I'm just going to do it. And just knowing that that's that's going to be your source of income is everything that you are put into is what you get out of it. All right. It's very tough. It's like jumping off a cliff and building a plane on the way down. <laughs> yeah. 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 Wow. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so true. Love that. Man. All right, so we have another question here, and this one comes from at J underscore H underscore Noir, and he wanted to know, what part of Brooklyn is your favorite place to shoot? Will you shoot the parkway if it opens? Oh, if it happens, I'm sorry. If it happens, okay. <laughs> so the second part of the question is referring to an event that happens here um, every year. So my favorite, favorite place to shoot in Flatbush, uh, firstly, is um, kind of my neighborhood, East Flatbush, because I feel like it's, I'm so comfortable here. And it kind of extends all the way to Prospect Park, which is my favorite park, too, because it's such a diverse park. You can, like, I bike around it, and you see so many different communities um, mm -hmm. within that park. Oh. It just is so multicultural, and I love it so much. So this is definitely my favorite area. I wouldn't trade this area for anywhere else, because I feel like it's very still preserved the way it, Brooklyn still is today. Where some areas are kind of changing and you see a lot of people who aren't really from here. Right. Yeah. So definitely um, Flatbush, East Flatbush is my favorite area. And it's referring to the parkway. So there's an event that happens every year right before Labor Day or right at Labor Day. And it's in celebration of like the West Indian culture of Flatbush. Because um, my family's from Jamaica. So they, when they moved here in the 80s, that was like a big surge of people who moved here in the 70s and 80s. Oh, and this oh, area cool. is very diverse as far as like, Caribbean countries. You'll see people from... Um, Jamaica, Trinidad, Guyana, all over Barbados, and there'll be all different, wow. you know, you'll see so many different flags and different juve con uh, uh, outfits and carnival concerts, uh, yeah. uh, outfits, I'm sorry. Uh, it's a really cool celebration. And the last year I went to, it was, it was, it was so fun. I just kind of like walked into the parade. I kind of snuck my way in <laughs> and I was shooting with my C330 and it was so cool. It was like shooting with that camera. Um, I'll probably rethink it this time because it was kind of difficult getting uh, high shots mm -hmm, with it. So. Mm -hmm. Um, it was really fun, though. I loved I loved shooting um, that event because it's I feel like it's so historic to this neighborhood, and I hope it stays forever. There's always been a lot of bad press about it within the past of like there's been like shootings and things. Mm. Um, so there's like a lot of cops and a lot of people involved with it to make it happen. But I feel like it's still something that needs to stay, and you know it's part of this heritage of this entire community. So it's really cool. Wow. Damn. Have you ever thought to? Are you? Do you plan on like making a book? 
or like a zine of of these little projects that you do or are you waiting on that i'm kind of waiting on it i've always okay. i've always thought about like a book or something i mean even some of like my older stuff but i feel like i'm gonna wait on it a little bit more sit on a lot of my work and you know let it marinate yeah <laughs> it's yeah, really we've- good we we've talked to a, a few people who are who are like, yeah, I'm gonna wait till I'm like sixty. I'm like what? <laughs> I mean, yeah, that makes sense too. Yeah, I mean, I get it. I mean, to to I mean, that'll be a hell of a process to go through all oh, that yeah. th- those images. But I think the end result will be really like a time yeah. capsule, you know, like of, sure. of somebody's life. Yeah, one of the photographers that I really love that I, I look up to in this project I'm doing with Document Brooklyn. Um, you've heard of Jamel Shabazz? No. Uh, oh, yeah. So Jamel Shabazz was a photographer in the 80s and right 90s. Yeah, and me too, Maria. Tell yeah. Him. Oh, he's so good. You got to check his, um, his page out. It's Instagram. But you just see his work in general on the internet. It's like, it's so telling of the time. So he photographed literally the exact same area where I'm living in now in the 80s and kind of continued it on through the 90s, 2000s. He's photographing these Flatbush. A lot of it's really a captivating the hip-hop b-boy culture in his images. Ah, and it's so that. cool to see because you see the images, you're instantly like, yeah, this is New York. This is hip-hop. This is this is yes. a culture. And it's so timeless. Like all of his images, it's like, you know, the the, the way he got, got people to pose or the way he gets people to stand and smile and families and love. And it's it's so beautiful. And, all, and most of his subjects are... Um, from this neighborhood, so it's like all black. Um, it's mm-hmm. it's so beautiful to see like this historic work. Um, and honestly, his work didn't really start getting a lot of recognition when he was doing it, and kind of like mm-hmm. so, somewhat in the two thousands and nineties, and people started seeing his work and seeing like, wow, this is this is this culture that we were a part of in the eighties. And it's it's really so cool because a lot of um, times some of my um, friends will be like, oh yeah, that's my dad's friend that still lives over here. Oh, no kidding. You know, yeah. Wow. So it's like, what? <laughs> this is literally history. I've seen some yeah. buildings that are still there. And I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> it's, Dude, it's so, so cool, cool to see. Yeah. So I feel like definitely like you know, the long game definitely plays out. And, you know, his work, mm-hmm. you see it now. It's like, it's instantly classic. <laughs> yeah. I, I got to do some research on that. You know, yeah, that's yeah, 40 sure. years ago. So. <laughs> wow. wow. Crazy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Give them the tough ones. All right. So we ask every guest, if you had to pick one camera for the rest of your life, your des- your desert island camera, <laughs> what would it be and why? Okay. So if it's a desert island and I definitely can't use batteries, I'm choosing the, <laughs> the Mia RB67. Oh, okay. It's definitely okay. my favorite camera of all time. Same. Yeah. It's, it's big beast. and chunky. It's very... Yeah. It's almost impossible to mess up an image with that camera because it's like so much fail systems in it. <laughs> and it'll be useful, I guess, if ever like a boar ever attacked me or something, I can just throw it at it or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's also survival. <laughs> <For> sure. <laughs> Dude, that thing is a beast. Yes. Great answer. Good answer. Yeah. yeah. I've actually, I recently held one oh, and I, kn- I knew instantly I was like, <laughs> yeah, I'm too small for this camera. <laughs> oh, that's, so that's my first medium format camera. And even like, the, we're talking about prices again. I bought that yeah. a couple years ago. Um, with three lenses and two different heads and two backs for like four hundred dollars, yep. and now I'm seeing them for like eight, nine, just just one yep. lens. I'm like, that's wow. so crazy. So yeah, I got that camera, and oh, I would carry that with me everywhere, cradle like a baby. And so yeah. I'm so used to it now, just carrying it to different places. I love just the feel of it. It just feels really comfortable in my hands, honestly. <laughs> okay, there's a there's a part two of this question. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that you like your white whale camera? Anything that you have yet to shoot, but you've like been dying to try and maybe buy? Hmm. Let me see. Since I got this, I'm like looking next. Um, I always, I've always wanted a Mia six four five AF. I just think it's really uh, interesting to see. Oh like, yeah, 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 yeah. I, yeah, I would love that as a portrait camera and just have that for like studio or you know portrait use or just even for like my brand shooting stuff for my own you know 
because it's like really good autofocus. That and I would also say the F5. Always oh, wanted the F5. Mm. Yeah. Oh yeah, the classic. It's like the most. It's the most advanced like film camera besides F6, which goes for a crazy amount of money. Yeah, um, they're still ridiculous. It's yeah. wild. They still make them. That's why. I heard. Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> they do. You can buy them brand new. How much do they cost? Brand new. Two grand up. Yeah. Ah! Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. For a film camera. <laughs> yep. But I mean, it looks, uh, you wouldn't even be able to tell the difference between like one of their digital SLRs to that. I mean, mm-hmm. it looks exactly like, like their, their big D four or five, whatever they're up to now. Yeah. They're, you know, their, their flagship series. Yeah. It looks big. It's huge. It's a, it's a nice feel to it. And that's, I, I really want an F5 for that same reason. Yeah. You know, and the autofocus, I had my friend had one the other day and the autofocus on it was so fast. And I was like, what? Really? I need this. And you can use, you know, all, all the modern lenses on it. All the F. Yeah. yeah. So if you ever need to. <laughs> Good answers. Yeah. Great answers. Thanks. <laughs> I would like to say again, we've already gushed over you, Dom, but we're, we're very excited <laughs> for, for, for what you, what you're doing for the film photography community we're happy to get your you know do our part to to spread the word so thank you for joining us and sharing your story i'd like to thank you very much for inviting me on like this was a great experience i really loved it (laughs) where can everybody check you out the store out everything you got going on where can they find you um you can find me on my website or instagram i don't know whatever's easier my instagram is photodom.shop which is also the website that i sell on all the things on you know that'll be the website um as far as my personal work i have an instagram page at document brooklyn mm-hmm. and i have a website dominiclewis.com which you can see some of my other work on there that i've um, also shot amazing timothy where are you at guys you can head over to instagram it's at timothy makeups i also make film photography related youtube videos easiest way to find it is go to the search bar just type in timothy makeups you'll find a whole bunch of stuff there chris where are you so i'm chris b photo on instagram twitter and youtube we are analog talk pod on twitter analog talk podcast on instagram we have a facebook page and a group you can join and share stuff and that's where we're at yay yay (laughs) dom thank you again this is a blast Oh, thank you so much for being for inviting me on here. Awesome. You got it. All right, guys. We'll see you in the next one. Bye. Bye. <laughs> First off, Chris and I would like to thank Dominic for coming on the show. Guys, go check out Dom's store, his Instagram, and all that stuff. We're uh, we're super proud of you, man. You're really you're really living the dream. We're we're super pumped that your GoFundMe got funded. Your store is going to be opening in September. We, I mean, Dom, if you ever need anything. Don't hesitate to reach out. And thanks for coming on the show and telling us your story. Guys, that's going to take us to Patreon. Head over to patreon.com slash analog talk. For even a buck, you can get the show two days early every Monday in the morning we release it. And we also have a bunch of other stuff over there. We're doing Patreon exclusive only shows, Patreon after shows with the guest. And we're going to be doing a lot of group hangs with you guys too. We figured out how to do it we're going to be doing it through zoom so if you are in that tier where you can hang out with us during lives yeah we'd love to have you come join us we wanted to thank all the patrons who already helped support the show guys we don't know what we would do without you you guys definitely free up some time for us and you know any little bit helps to uh all the listeners out there guys check it out head over to patreon.com analog talk and you might find some stuff over there that you're interested in so until next week we will have an all-new guest and we will see you soon so keep shooting and all that fun stuff and yeah we'll see you next week later at parker our purpose is simple we want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently by using more sustainable practices 
by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.